The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So at the end of the day, we're going to run it back next year. But for right now, enjoy this moment. We ain't got curfew tonight. We ain't got curfew tonight. I'm thinking this has got to be one of the most interesting off-seasons for you as far as how the season ended, losing in the Super Bowl, and then you digest all the media this off-season leading up to, to when we get you now. What has the off-season been like? Man, just extreme focus, you know, uh, you got to digest everything, you know, and be able to come back, you know, with a clear mindset, going to each year with a clear mindset, um, you know, basically, you know, it's hard to wash up out that, that that taste of losing the Super Bowl, but, you know, that's why you have the offseason, so you can come back, you know, go recuperate and come back, you know, with a fresh mindset going into training camp. Hey, welcome in. Arrowhead Pride presents Show NBK. I'm Brandon Kylie. Show would normally be introducing us, but... He's in Kansas City. He decided to forget his microphone because of course he did. So we pushed it back to today to potentially make some things work. His flight was delayed. All of these things happened on Thursday night that when we normally record. So we're instead recording Friday afternoon. So I am with Steven Serta for the show today. Serta, what's going on, man? What's going on, BK? Yeah, it's been, we apologize for the delayed podcast. It's been an unbelievable whirlwind of bad circumstances the last 24 hours. Like it's, I don't want to spend too much time on it. It's hard for me to even explain everything that has possibly gone wrong in the last day to make sure that this podcast was going to be late and that Ron was not going to be able to be a part of it. Somehow, some way, this is the best we were able to do for you guys, and it ended up with us being down a host. So, we've got a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Pro Football Focus Top 50. Patrick Mahomes came in in the top two. We'll tell you where he was at. And I think Serta has some interesting uh, thoughts on the Tom Brady comments that you heard earlier this week and how they might apply to Patrick Mahomes. But we have to start with Frank Clark who was arrested in Los Angeles. Now it sounds like it's happened twice this offseason. He was pulled over for a vehicle violation, ended up they found an Uzi in his car, which is against the law out in California. I'm not much interested in people's thoughts on gun laws in California. Let's talk about what this means for the Chiefs, though because he has now been arrested twice in one offseason. You have to look back at 2014 uh, when he had the incident at the University of Michigan as well. This is a problem for the Chiefs because I would imagine he's probably going to be suspended. I don't know how long it's going to be. Maybe it's two games. Maybe it's four. Maybe it's six. However long it's going to be, 
the Chiefs are likely going to be without, at a minimum, their second best defensive end. And Serta, I think my biggest takeaway from this is Chris Jones just became that much more important at defensive end because outside of him, and it's hard to even say he's proven at defensive end, they have nobody that is proven at that position. I mean, the next closest thing is maybe Mike Dana, who had a decent season for you last year. There's just not a lot of proven commodities that the Chiefs are going to be able to rely on going into the season if Frank Clark has to miss an extended period of time. Well, and their pass rush and the defensive line was kind of, or at least the defensive end was already kind of a question mark headed into this season. And we were kind of expecting them to maybe add some depth there and they didn't really do it. Uh, I know they've got a rookie guy, but he was he he's kind of a project. Uh, uh, Turk Wharton's a guy that you can maybe move around a little bit, but he's mostly an interior guy like there's reason to be worried about the Chiefs pass rush headed into this season because I think Chris Jones is a special player I think Jaron Reed is a good player but it doesn't seem like they've got a ton of athletes on the outside and that's an issue for a team that's trying to get to another Super Bowl yeah the bendy edge rushers that you see around the league that everybody is envious of the Chiefs have none of them none of them even when Frank Clark's out there he's more of a power rusher he's a guy that's going to win with his bull rush more than anything else they don't have that bendy guy. And that's kind of a spag system type of a thing. He was looking for bigger, more powerful defensive ends. But when you get into a situation like this and you're basically having to go, okay, early downs, late downs, who are our pass rushers? I legitimately don't know the answer to that question right now going into the season. Like if it's third and seven in the first game of the year going up against the Cleveland Browns and Frank Clark's unavailable, who are the four guys you're putting out there on the defensive line right now? You're going to see a lot of Ben Neiman coming from no. the outside no. this year. As much as everybody wants Ben Neiman gone, we're going to see we're going to see him and Willie Gay on the field and Ben Neiman's just going to become strictly a pass rusher. No. <laughs> that can't that there's a lot of potential answers. Like if you would have said Taco Charlton on one side, um and you wanted to see Josh Kando immediately on the other side with Chris Jones and Jaron Reed on the interior. Like, I would have listened to you. It sounds a little early for Kando to be out there on significant downs, but hey, this is an urgent matter for the Chiefs. Maybe that's what they have to do. The answer cannot and will not be Ben Neiman rushing the passer. What are we going to do week one when it is Ben Neiman rushing the passer? Because I would prefer every single option that you said over Ben Neiman. But for some reason, they keep giving Ben Neiman snaps. So it feels like week one, Ben Neiman's going to be trying to go up against a Browns top five offensive line. I think he'll be out there. I just don't think it'll be as an edge rusher. I think he'll be your nickelbacker who's dropping into coverage. My, you, you do bring up an interesting point, though, because I think one thing that the Chiefs have in this situ- situation that a lot of other teams don't is Steve Spagnolo, who has some of his faults. But one thing he loves to do is blitz. So whether it be Willie Gay or getting a guy like Tyron Matthew coming up in more blitzes this year, Legereus Sneed showed last year coming out of the slot that he's a very capable um, pass rusher with blitzes. They've got some options coming from the back seven to be able to help with some of their pass rush, but that's what it's going to require. And that puts even more pressure on your corners. It puts even more pressure on your safeties. They need this year Juan Thornhill to look like the Juan Thornhill of 2019, not the Juan Thornhill that we saw for the vast majority of last season. 
there's a lot of pressure on a lot of players that have questions coming into the year because of this arrest and potential suspension from Frank Clark. It is worrisome because, like I mentioned, and I know everybody uh, gives me hate for for loving on the Browns as much as I do, but I think the Browns are legitimately one of the five best teams in the NFL. They have one of the best offensive lines in football, and their offensive line has a very talented young tackle uh, to to go with the fact that they've got two other all-pro guys on that line. But then you've got the Baltimore Ravens, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Bills, like that, that that's your first five games of the season. And I, I think you can still win all of those games without a pass rush or without a reliable pass rush, but it makes it obviously more difficult. And I'm not sure where they're going to get it now. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe Chris Jones is just a God on the outside, but it seems pretty unlikely, especially if that's the only guy you really got to worry about on the defensive line. You just rotate blocking to that side. Yeah, it's really bad timing wise. Um, you mentioned the schedule, Cleveland at Baltimore, the Chargers at home at Philly. Let's throw that Philly game out for a second. If it's a four game suspension that you're looking at here, which seems likely to me, we'll see. There's not a whole lot of precedent for this. I looked at it yesterday and I couldn't find who the guys were that were arrested twice for gun possession in a single offseason. It doesn't happen a whole lot. So I don't know what they're going to do suspension wise for them. But if we, if we assume it's the four games, those first three games, you're going up against a great offensive line with Cleveland. You've got a very unique offense with Baltimore and Chris Jones for all of his success that he has. He's not exactly the most disciplined player when it comes to staying within his gaps in that offense from Baltimore requires you to play really disciplined. The Chargers have completely revamped their offensive line. That's another good one that you're going to have trouble being able to rush against. If you don't go at least two and one in those three games, probably it's going to be tough for you to be able to win the number one seed this year. And with the way that the playoffs are now set up with only one team getting that bye week, the number one seed is really valuable for the Chiefs. We've seen what Andy Reid is able to do coming off of the bye. That's one of the things that if you're a gambler, you've paid a lot of attention to Andy Reid coming off of that bye week. So it's big. And the other thing, the other reason why the timing is so critical on this, like if Frank Clark got hurt, down the stretch. He got hurt early in December and you missed him against the Broncos, the Raiders, Chargers, and Pittsburgh. Maybe at that point, you've had some solid contributions from Josh Kando early in the season. Maybe Taco Charlton looks like the guy that we saw the first half of last year before his injury. Maybe Chris Jones has completely taken to the defensive end position and he feels comfortable. That would change my belief in the pass rush going into those games. Right now, there's just so few answers and so many more questions about those positions. I wish we would have had some time to learn some of the answers beforehand, and we're not going to be able to have that. Well, and you brought up that maybe it is, you know, it's going to be Spags blitzing guys like Tyron Matthew, Legereus Sneedmore. I think that is an answer. The problem is they're not very deep at corner either. So they really need Legereus Sneed to be a cover guy this year. And I know he blitzed a lot last year and he was incredible at it. He got sacks. He he seemed like he was constantly making plays that way. And Tyron Matthew does that as well. But 
you really need those guys in the secondary this year because you didn't bring back Bashad Breland. You're, you're thin and you're thin in the cornerback department. I mean, maybe Juan Thornhill is going to look like he did down the back stretch of the season in the playoffs last year, where he finally looked like he was back to full health and looked like he could be like a serious playmaker for that secondary. And if he does, maybe that does change things. Maybe that's why they were comfortable not bringing back Bashad Breeland was the health of Juan Thornhill and the impact that he can have with, you know, Tyron Matthew moving around all over the place, Legere Sneed blitzing or whatever. But it's still not the ideal situation that you want to be in where you're saying, okay, we got to manufacture all of our pass rush with the secondary guys. Exactly. And a big part of that is because of how many weapons each of these teams that we're talking about the first three games in particular of the season have. You look at look at the Cleveland Browns, for example. Okay, so if you're going to blitz your slot corner, what are you doing against Jarvis Landry? If you're going to bring Tyron Matthew, what are you now doing against the wide array of tight ends that they like to use in their passing game? If you're going to blitz an actual corner, because I, I think you can make a a pretty good case that last year what we saw from the Chiefs is they had multiple guys in particular. Um, you're, you're looking outside at Rashad Fenton, who could also be a pretty good blitzer. If you're blitzing him, all right, Odell Beckham, like who's defending these guys whenever you are sending that blitz? It better get home, otherwise you're screwed. The same thing ends up being true against the Ravens, who have upgraded their passing game significantly this offseason with Rashad Bate and Sammy Watkins. You've still got to worry about Hollywood Brown. And at tight end, you've got Mark Andrews to take care of. Just all of these teams have three, maybe even four options in the passing game that are pretty competent at, at a minimum, pretty damn good in some cases. It becomes even more difficult to be able to slow that down if you are deciding to go with some of these significant blitz schemes. And that's where you just have to trust Steve Spagnolo that he's he's going to have something ready to go. <laughs> and it, it's not a perfect answer, but when you're potentially without, well, one of your three best defensive players, everything gets a little bit more difficult. Maybe a a positive in, in all of this situation is that we're going to find out who the Chiefs' second wide receiver is early in the year because the offense is going to have to just score a bunch of points in the first month of the season. So maybe we'll see McCole Hardman break out a little bit because Mahomes is just going to be like, all right, we can't we can't hit anybody. We can't play defense the first month of the season. Let's, or, let's just drop 40 every game. I, I guess conversely, maybe the Chiefs go more grounded pound early on. You know, they try to control the ball a little bit more. I know that sounds kind of... Um, antithetical like you're going almost against the grain there but if you've got a defense that you don't trust and you're able to control the ball with your revamped offensive line maybe you try to win these games 28 24 as opposed to 37 34 I I don't know they've got a bunch of different ways that they could go about this none of which are ideal but this is what happens when you have a guy like Frank Clark who gets into trouble in the offseason twice is arrested both times for doing, in my opinion, kind of silly stuff. Um, And this is another thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago on the show about what Frank Clark's future holds for him in Kansas City. Man, this makes it very difficult for me to believe that he's going to be back next. I was going to say, it's not not in KC. The Chiefs have had, it it seems like every other year now, we've, we've got a player on the Chiefs where... Something happens off the field, and then you have to question whether or not the Chiefs should cut him, whether they should release him, or or, or whatever. Kareem Hunt, Frank Clark, they, they they've had other issues in the past. Obviously, it does not feel like, and you know, when it, going back to the Kareem Hunt thing, 
you know, we said that, oh, the Chiefs wanted to keep him, but he lied to them, and that's why they inevitably cut him. I mean, Frank, we just heard from Frank Clark a, a couple of weeks ago, or, or, or was it even last week? Um, you know, as they were wrapping up mandatory minicamp, he spoke with the team and we kept talking about how he was a no show early on in the voluntary stuff. And then he finally showed up and spoke to the media and was just kind of like, oh, you know, I've just been doing this, doing that. He had already been arrested once. And so the Chiefs had to have known about that, I would assume, because like if he would have lied about it, wouldn't he have been cut like Kareem Hunt was? Well, it's a little different because they're, they've got $38 million in dead money if they decided to cut him right now. They're paying him 26 to play for him. So I, I don't think there's any chance he's cut now. I don't think you should cut him right now. What I'm saying is in the future, like 2022, he's owed $26 million against the cap next year. They can save $13 million if they decide to cut him. I don't know how you can rely on Frank Clark moving forward when this is the kind of thing that happens going into what is it technically a contract year, but is more or less a contract year. It, this should have been the off season where he was showing up to everything, where he was becoming that leader, continuing to be in his mind, the leader that he's been on the defensive side of the football this should have been the offseason. We're coming off of what was a disappointing 2020 season. He's ready to go out there and shut everybody up about what his production has been in the regular season in Kansas City. It's been the opposite. Like This has been an offseason from hell in a lot of ways for Frank Clark in Kansas City. So going into this year, he better be damn good in however many games he plays. Like Whether it be 12 or 13, however many games he is ultimately allowed to play, if and when the suspension comes in, he's got to be awesome. And then he better back it up with another great postseason, which is the one thing I will give full credit where it's due. It's been very good for the Chiefs in the playoffs. He's got to be awesome for them to have any chance of bringing him back on that $26 million cap number. Yeah. The, by the, the way, one other thing, this explains why the Chiefs did not restructure him. Because we were talking all offseason about how could the Chiefs create a little more cap space? And when, when we do that, the number one name that came up a lot of the time was Frank Clark. They could have moved some of his money from base salary to signing bonus to push that out into future years. But what that does is it ties you to him longer. The Chiefs clearly didn't want to do that. They made the conscious decision not to, to open up more money now for the future. This is why. Because they knew about what you're talking about. They knew about that uh, previous arrest. And now I, I don't think he's going to be here for the long haul. Yeah, I just don't see any scenario where he's a chief next year. He he's expensive, and to be quite honest, yes, you got a you got a ring out of it. He's been absolutely stellar in, in the playoffs. But this was the year where you needed him. Okay, Frank, we we need twelve sacks from you in the regular season this year. We 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 need you to 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 be the leader and be the playmaker that we signed you to this huge contract to be. It can't just be playoff Frank this year and so far it has gone as terrible as possible who do you think steps up with him out like if, if I told you right now hey there's going to be a Chiefs defensive end let's say he's out four weeks there's a Chiefs defensive end that finishes that four-week stretch with four sacks not named Chris Jones Chris Jones the obvious one he's got to step up that that whether he was in a defensive tackle or defensive end now that was going to be the case if Frank was out for any amount of time who do you think is most likely to step up with him out not named Chris Jones? 
I mean, uh, hopefully it's Taco. Uh, I mean, the Chiefs brought him back. They they really liked what they saw from him before he got injured last year. He's a former high draft pick who's got the athletic profile to be a playmaker. He hasn't exactly been like an elite player or anything like that, but he's got a chance to have an impact in, in this system and with the opportunity that he's about to get. I, I think that, you know, J- Jaron Reed could be... We, we've seen him have 10 sacks before. We've seen him have that kind of impact. So maybe they're hoping in that first month of the season, he's going to have a huge impact on the game for him. And I mean, the Chiefs interior, like I'm more confident in the interior than the exterior of the defensive line right now. So maybe it's just Jaron Reed. I think the most likely is Taco Charlton. I think if the Chiefs could say best case scenario, if if I could hit a button right now, and I can promise the Chiefs that one of their defensive ends not named Chris Jones has four sacks in the first four weeks. I think their best case scenario would be that's Josh Kando. Because if it if Josh Kando's awesome right away, the biggest question about him was how long was it going to take for him to really click? He's got all of the athletic profile to be able to be a good player. It's just fundamentally, he's got a lot of work to do right now. If he's good right away, I mean, that's that portends some really great things for the Chiefs defensive end rotation. And now once you do get Frank Clark back, all right, you've got a rotation of Clark, Jones, Taco, Mike Dana and Josh Kando, all of whom have shown they can be at at a minimum productive NFL players. That's when you're really cooking with some gas. So I, I think they would prefer it to be Kando. I think the most likely, though, is probably Taco. I'm with you on that. Yeah, if it's Kando, they're they're thrilled. I, I I agree with you that that would be awesome. I'd be thrilled about that. I, I think any Chiefs fan should be thrilled about that. But yeah, it's I, I feel like it's got to be Taco. They brought him back for a reason. I think they've got some faith that he can be a playmaker. So there's still plenty to learn with this. We don't know if or when they're going to announce any sort of a suspension for Frank Clark. Uh, but we'll be following that here on Arrowhead Pride Presents Show and BK. Coming up on the other side, Pro Football Focus put together their top 50 players in the NFL right now. The Chiefs have three, four rather, of the top 20 players in this list. We'll tell you who they are coming up. All right, so Pro Football Focus puts out their annual list of the 50 best players in the NFL right now. This is basically made to piss off every fan base in America. I think they'd got this right at the top, though, this year. Aaron Donald is number one, and I hear you. If you're a Chiefs fan, you say Patrick Mahomes is number one, Aaron Donald should be two. I got no qualms with it, but I think you can make a case that Aaron Donald, if you're just looking at pure football players, the best pure football player, not the most valuable, but best player, I think Aaron Donald might be that with Patrick Mahomes being right at his heels, although Mahomes is more valuable because of the position. Do you agree with that as a starting point, uh, Serta? Yes, it's going to be an argument and it's going to get Chiefs fans riled up. And I feel like Pro Football Focus does get more clicks off of this by not listing Patrick Mahomes, number one. But Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive lineman that I think we've ever seen. So I can't really complain about it. I think you can make a case either way. And I've got no issues with him putting Aaron Donald number one. So Mahomes was number two. The big surprise to me, and it was in a positive way, was that Travis Kelsey came in at number three on their list of the best players in the NFL right now. I don't necessarily think they're wrong. Travis Kelsey is one of the most indefensible players in football. He's too big for corners. He's too fast for safeties. You can't put a linebacker on him. He is one of the best route runners, regardless of position in the league. 
If you've watched any of the stuff coming out of the tight end uh, university that they're doing out in Nashville right now, Kelsey is putting on a clinic on how footwork wise, uh, route running wise, you should be going about things. Kelsey at number three makes a ton of sense to me. And I appreciate the fact that he's getting the respect at this point that he deserves. Yeah. And he, he absolutely should. Like he had a record setting season and really it's, he basically sets records like every year now at the tight end position, which is just insane. Like he's the number one tight end in fantasy football, like five years running and no one's even close to him. Like he he's just an unstoppable force and tight end, I think is one of the more difficult positions in the NFL to play that we don't really pay enough attention to because it's tight end. There's just not that many good tight ends in the NFL. Like everybody's just kind of average. There's not a guy who can run routes, who's got the speed, who's got the athleticism, who can still block and who can do all of those things at an elite level. Like it's Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, but George Kittle hasn't been able to stay on the field. Travis Kelsey plays every game and he's absolutely elite every single year. So there were two other Chiefs players that we can talk about for a second here on this top 50 list. Tyreek Hill came in at number 18. Chris Jones came in at number 19, both right there in the top 20. This feels about right for both of those. It might even, for me, for for my standards, be a little high on Chris Jones. Uh, I think by the end of the season, Serta, we're going to see Tyreek Hill on lists like this within the top 10 as well. I think Tyreek is set up for an absolutely monster season. Like if you're playing fantasy football, and I know we're both big fantasy guys, Tyreek Hill is somebody that has to be an auto draft in every single league that you're in. I think he's going to top 1,500 yards. I think that the Chiefs have a lack of a number two threat offensively at receiver specifically. So you've got Hill, you've got Kelsey. I don't know who else is sucking targets away from Tyreek Hill this year. So I I think he's going to have a monster season. And when we do this list next year, I think you're going to see him within the top 10. I think he should be within the top 10 this year. I I think he's underrated. I think Tyreek is one of the most, well, game-changing wide receivers I think we've ever seen. But he's also, you can't replicate what he does. Like, he's just an alien. And, And we usually reserve that for... Like Kelsey or, or, or Kittle or, or, or Darren Waller, like guys like that that are 6'6", 260 Henry, pounds. Yeah, Tyreek's a smaller guy, but he's thick. And Tyreek has got to have like a 42-inch vertical. Like he, he jumps through the roof. He can go up and get the football like he's Julio Jones or like he's A.J. Brown or one of these other guys that's legitimately like 6'3", 6'4". And he's like 5'10". He's absolutely insane. He's faster than everybody else. Like it's I feel like pro football focus takes into account how tall wide receivers are. And then that's that's what hurts Tyreek Hill. It's not his actual play on the field. It's his actual height. I think it's totally fair that pro football focus coming off of last year has Devontae Adams ranked as the number one wide receiver. I think where it gets a little questionable, though, is after him. Who's your next guy in the NFL right now? And for them, they've got DeAndre Hopkins above Tyreek Hill. I can't have DeAndre Hopkins above Tyreek Hill right now. He is a guy that is used in Arizona exclusively, basically, as 10 yards and in. He's not much of a deep threat for them. I would take, like, if I'm building a team, we're doing fantasy draft style on on Madden. I'm taking Tyreek Hill 10 times out of 10 over DeAndre Hopkins 100 times. 
Yeah, without question. And I, I would with Devontae Adams, too, uh, over DeAndre Hopkins. But I still think that, I think after last season, yeah, Devontae Adams probably deserves to be ahead of Tyreek on this list. But I think long term, I would rather have Tyreek Hill. Like if we're talking like a dynasty fantasy draft or something like that, I would much rather have Tyreek Hill than Devontae Adams. And I love DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is an absolutely incredible player. But I think Tyreek Hill should also be ahead of him. Like DeAndre Hopkins is still capable of being a legitimate number one wide receiver. I, I just don't like the Cardinals offense. I don't like the way they're using him. Tyreek Hill is on a weekly basis like 100, 120 yards and a touchdown type of player with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. And there's just not anybody else, I think, that you can rely on on a weekly basis. Like that guy's just not going to get shut down because of who our quarterback is. There aren't very many positions in the NFL right now where there's like a clear cut number one, like consensus. Everybody agrees that's the best player at that position. I think you've got that with Aaron Donald at defensive tackle. I think most people would agree that Patrick Mahomes is that at quarterback. I think Kelsey would be that guy at tight end, although maybe you would get some disagreement with him on Kittle. There's some people that might take Kittle over Kelsey. I think by the end of the year, to your point, I think you could see that with Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. Like if there's one player in the league that could add his name to that list with Mahomes, uh, Aaron Donald, maybe you could say Quentin Nelson at offensive guard. Uh, if there's one guy that could do that by the end of the season, I think it would probably be Tyreek Hill. I think you could see, so normally a 16-game season, 1,500 yards, like a 1,600-yard season this year for Tyreek Hill is not out of the realm of the possibility. 1,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, I could see that for him this year. It sounds crazy, but I think that's in his range of the outcomes. Yeah, and I, I think that should be in his range of outcomes every year, really. And, and, you know, his going back to 2018, which that was like a – historically great Chiefs offense he had over 1400 yards that year and that was his highest yardage output but you know last year he was still exceptional and people were kind of making a big deal at one point about he was like leading the NFL in drops I think Deontay Johnson wound up leading the NFL in drops but Tyree Kill was like number two but a lot of that is just quantity like the amount of looks that he was getting because him and Travis Kelsey just get so many targets and so I do feel like maybe it's going to be harder for him to get to that like 1600 yard mark because Travis Kelsey feels like a lock for a thousand yards as well, but there's no reason that he can't do it. I mean, even, even in 2019, like he only had 860 yards, but he missed several games that year because of injury. And that's really the only year in his career so far that he's had any type of injury problems where you've had to consistently worry about him. Yeah, I think he's going to be a monster this season. I think he's going to be a consensus number one uh, wide receiver for most people coming out of the year. Um, I, I think I, a lot of people expect that, but I, I think it's really coming for him. So Tom Brady was at number seven on this list. I think you could make a case to put him even higher because I don't understand how he does it, but he continues to be uh, the GOAT. Serta, you had some thoughts. There were so there was some news that was made earlier this this week. Tom Brady was on the shop on HBO, and he made a comment that had you thinking about Patrick Mahomes as he said it. One of the teams, and they weren't interested at the very end. I was thinking, you're sticking with that mother. <laughs> There's been speculation all week about who's Tom Brady talking about. Who? What? What? What did he? What did he mean here? What? 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 What team was? 
he trying to say this about what quarterback and everybody thinks it's Jimmy G because he was supposedly interested in the 49ers at one point and he was interested in the Bears maybe or he was interested in a lot of places supposedly um and maybe it was Jimmy G I don't really care who he's talking about in this one I just watched that video and said to myself he's called Patrick Mahomes a mother effer a lot of times I bet and I know, you know, they just beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. He's beaten Patrick Mahomes in an AFC championship game. And really, Tom Brady in the postseason has had the upper hand on Patrick Mahomes, even at the age that he's at right now. But there's things that Patrick Mahomes does that Tom Brady just simply can't do and could never do at any point in his career. So you remember back in the in the AFC championship game against the Patriots, there was a throw late in that game where Patrick Mahomes basically threw a ball to Spencer Ware that was like one of the most absurd passes I've ever seen. It seems like an impossible throw. It seems like a throw that had no business being completed at a crucial point of the game for a first down, and Patrick Mahomes did it because he's that incredible. That's a circumstance where Tom Brady was standing on the sideline like, this mother effer, like what, what, who does that? What is that? Like Tom Brady's called Patrick Mahomes a mother bleeper several times. I I would argue in the amount of times that he's played him in the NFL. I wonder if Pat, I wonder if he watches Patrick Mahomes highlights and that's just his reaction to every single throw. He's like, are are you bleeping kidding me? This guy again, again with the no looks. Are we really doing the no look again? You're, like, doing, you're doing this against the Ravens. <laughs> he didn't even he didn't even put his shoulder into it. Like he just flicked it. You remember the, the throw that always, when I, when I think of stuff like this, um, the throw that comes to mind for me was Chargers versus Chiefs. It was week one of the 2018 season. It was the first real start for Mahomes. I know he had that game against Denver, but this was his, he's QB one, and it was right at the beginning of the game. And Tyreek Hill was running a quick slant. And Mahomes just like sidearm slings it into Tyreek. And it's like, in the smallest of windows, it's the only place that this throw could have possibly gone in it to your, what you just said, it should have been impossible. This throw should not have been possible just physics wise. And he finds a way to fit it in there. And I always think back to that moment because it was that first game that we really got to see him unleashed with the ones. And I think from then on, that was when I knew, and it was early oh, this is going to be special because there's maybe five guys in the world that can make the throw that Patrick Mahomes just made. And by the way, Tom Brady ain't one of them. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've seen more people kind of do that now, and maybe it's people coming out, younger guys who are trying to mimic Mahomes or something like that, but Stafford's kind of done stuff like that over his career. Yeah, like, but I don't think that Brady watches a Stafford highlight and thinks that. I don't think that he watches because Lamar's done it. Look, the sidearm throws and, and stuff like that. I don't think Brady watches Lamar highlights and thinks that. When he watches a Patrick Mahomes highlight, I think he's the one quarterback in the NFL that Tom Brady, despite the fact that he just beat him in the Super Bowl, despite all of the rings that he has, I think that's the one dude in the league when he sees Mahomes do something insane, he gets jealous and he's just like this mother bleeper. You think he's ever done that with any other quarterback? Because I've always argued Brady, while being the best quarterback in the league for a number of years, was never at any point in his career the most talented. Never. Not once was he the most talented player in the – or most talented quarterback in the NFL. 
but he's always been the best. Do you think there's anybody else that he's ever said that about? I maybe Aaron, but see, I don't, I don't even think he did it with Aaron. Cause like, you know, Peyton was in Peyton's prime. Peyton was better overall than just talent wise than, than yeah. Brady was. Aaron Rodgers is better talent wise than Tom Brady is. But I don't think he ever looked at those guys the way that he looks at Mahomes because Mahomes has done it since the beginning and has won so much so early. I don't think he ever concerned himself with Aaron or Peyton because he was winning rings anyways. He was winning more than they were. He had Peyton's number forever, even though Peyton wound up getting two rings. Brady still had his number forever in the postseason whenever they played. And so I don't think that he ever sat back and thought that about those guys because he just thought... Yeah, maybe they can make throws, but I'm still better than they are. Like I think he looks at Mahomes and he's like, "All right, that guy's just better than I am. There's nothing I can. There's nothing I could do about it. I'm gonna keep trying to win games and keep trying to win rings till I'm 50. But there's just things that guy does that I cannot physically do. It's pretty wild. I mean, we're gonna look back one of these days, and it's not right now, but eventually. And man, that that Super Bowl against the 49ers was so huge for so many different reasons and so many different people within the Chiefs organization. It completely altered the way we view a lot of these guys. And it altered the way their peers view a lot of them. Like, I don't think Brady is saying that same stuff about Mahomes if Mahomes doesn't get that ring. Because then Mahomes is just another productive, talented guy that, yeah, it's flashy, it's exciting, but I'm winning more than that guy, right? Um, I think Andy Reid, when you look back on his career, if he didn't get that one, if for, if somehow, some way, he didn't end up getting a ring with Mahomes, he'd be looked back on the way that a lot of coaches are, where it's like, yeah, super productive, super innovative, but never was able to win that big one. And I think that's why, and this is not like breaking news or anything, but man, that, that Super Bowl changed everything for so many different people on this Chiefs roster. And it definitely applies here for, uh, for Mahomes and, and Brady. Yeah, I, I think that if he didn't win that Super Bowl, it he he looks at him like he looks at Aaron Rodgers. Like I I, I don't think he looks at Aaron Rodgers like they're peers, and they I, in my mind they are. Even though Aaron got a ring, I don't think Tom Brady looks at Aaron Rodgers like that like they're actual peers. Last thing before we get out of here today, Serta, you're going to Vegas this weekend, and if I'm understanding correctly. You have never made a trip to Las Vegas. This is the first time that you've ever been to the Sin City. Is that correct? That is correct. I have never been before. I'm not much of a casino person. I've really only been to the casino like three times, and I don't even really gamble that much. Like, I work so hard to make money, I hate dumping it at the casino. Like, fantasy gambling is different in in my mind, and I'm going to go to the sports book when I'm in uh, Vegas and, and I'll, I'll dabble a little bit on some sports bets and stuff like that. But as far as like actually like going to a poker table or a blackjack table or something, it's just not really my thing. So who are you going with? Like how many guys, how many people are you going with? And is this for an event? Like, is this a bachelor party or are you just going for the hell of it? No, it's, you know, we didn't. So my good buddy lives in Phoenix. Uh, haven't seen him in over a year and a half because of the pandemic. Um, so, He's flying in from Phoenix, and then four of us are flying in from Kansas City. Uh, we're all fully vaccinated, so we were like, "Let's take a let's take a trip like with the boys and just go to Vegas." There's no special occasion or anything. Uh, some of us have been a bunch of times. I have never been. I think my other friend has never been. So we're just gonna go and get a little rowdy. I like it. 
Um, a few recommendations. I've been three times, I guess it would have been. Um, it's a blast. Since you've never been, the first thing that I would recommend doing, like you got to take some time, and I know it sounds super lame, just go to all of the hotels. Like just check out all of the hotels, check out the casinos, enjoy it, see what it's like. I'm a big fan of the Cosmo. It's it's probably my favorite to just kind of go and hang out. It's got a good vibe to it. Check out the uh, find the secret pizza spot in the the Cosmo. That's a good uh, good time. Um, I would also recommend. I know you're not a big gambling guy. You got to play some tables at the Bellagio. Uh, you got to make sure that you do that. Check out the mall and try not to get lost in it because it's massive um and then the other thing that i would recommend you do is um if you've got kids in the car tear this down for about 10 seconds go to the spearmint rhino you're gonna lose all of your money and it's not from gambling but it's expensive as hell but it's going to be well worth your time especially going with a big group of guys it's the number one thing that i can recommend you do and everybody has to do it at least once um, if you're going out to Vegas, you got to go to the Spearmint right now. All right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, the secret <laughs> pizza thing. Didn't a football player get arrested there or something like a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I, I feel like there was a former NFL player on TMZ or something that got arrested at secret pizza in Vegas or something. And I was just like, I didn't know what it was. I was just like secret pizza. I was like, it must be a restaurant. Vontaze perfect. Yeah, well, I was just Vontaze like, perfect was searching for a secret pizza in the Cosmo prior to committing battery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just hammered and got it got arrested uh, for because he couldn't find the secret pizza. I thought it was I thought it was just like a restaurant or something. I did. I didn't even know that that was like an actual thing that people do. Like, so people know where it's at, but you have to, like, discover it. You got to find it some way. That's that. That's the thing. So it is it is a pizza spot. It's just a restaurant. But yeah, you, you've got to find it. Um, and once you get in there, like you can Google it and find it easily. I'm guessing Vontez Perfect was just hammered and didn't want to do that. And we know how Vontez Perfect is. That's incredible. So this happened in December. I did not see this story. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, maybe it was maybe the police video is what got dropped a couple weeks ago because I just saw it like a couple weeks ago. I just remember coming across it on Twitter or something. So maybe that was like the arrest video had just gotten leaked a couple of weeks ago. So that's amazing. Uh, no, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, I'm excited. I will be back uh, next week for next episode of Show and BK though. The one thing that I also would recommend, um, since you're with a good group of guys, I don't know if you've ever played craps before, but a good craps table with the group, that's going to be a good time for you. If you find somebody out there, they'll they'll show you how to play. Maybe one of your buddies knows how. It's super easy to learn. You'll enjoy yourself. Uh, you you can lose money quickly, or you can win money pretty quickly on it. And if you're on, if you've got a good hand, if you've got a a hot roller. You've got a chance to win some really good money if you get a good stretch out there. In Vegas. Yeah, I, I have no idea how to play it. I've never played it. Um, but I feel like there's very few things in the world that are probably as invigorating as, as invigorating as like a hot craps table. Like it's the best. I, it, it looks incredible. I've always like seen it in movies or whatever, like watched from afar. It always looks like it's the best time anyone's ever had in their lives. 
Yeah, it is until it's not. Um, <laughs> and then it goes really poorly. But if you've got a good table, it, it can be a really good time. So I recommend doing that as well. If you have any Vegas recommendations for Serta, hit him up on Twitter. He's at Steven Serta, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Serta. I'm at BK Sports Talk. You can follow me there. You can follow the flagship at Arrowhead Pride. Be sure to check out the website as well. And don't forget, every weekday morning, we've got the Arrowhead Drive podcast with Pete Sweeney. He's got 10-ish minutes of whatever the biggest Chiefs news is that you need to know on your way into work that day. So check that out in your podcast feed as well. Serta, thanks for filling in for Ron today, man. Ron will be back with us next week. Sorry for the delay on this. We'll be back in our normal schedule next week here on Arrowhide Presents Show in BK.